What's going on, y'all? It's Bud Elliott here, and hey, it's an old cast, and we are live. Uh, well, me, not we. Actually, uh, Graham and I sat down. And we're like, all right, how much how much show do we have? And we had too much show, which is not surprising, but maybe for this time of the of the season. And Graham was running up to his little vacation spot because there's not quite as many NIL deals to get done, thankfully, in the month of February. So, or at least not not mid February, like like we're getting up to. So I said, "Hey, uh, I'll just solo this tonight. You get settled in up there, and we will convene again at nine a.m." So I want to talk a little bit of recruiting tonight. Actually, I know some people have asked for more recruiting coverage, which I'm, I'm down to do. Some people are, uh, you know, kind of turned off by recruiting, and, and, and I get it. So I'll I'll keep it mostly big picture. I'll, I'll comment primarily just on the FSU commits and major targets. Uh, a lot of y'all don't care about recruiting for the next cycle in, you know, right now. And uh, yeah, um, so I get that for sure. want to point out, we are, of course, sponsored by Tarpon Sellers. Tarpon Sellers Winery does such a tremendous job. Can't wait to actually bring my wife out there and check them out. Uh, again, it'd be a really good time, and if you are interested, you need to get some tarpon sellers wherever you get your wine or go online. Pretty, pretty awesome sponsor to have. So, very much appreciate those guys. Uh, see a lot of people saying they love recruiting in the chat. I'm not really surprised that people who are awake at, uh, at 10 o'clock at night are um, uh, are into recruiting. So, oh, the other reason why I'm doing a solo is because I shut up late. Um, so my son had T-ball practice today from five to six, and then we had a game, uh, I had a softball game at six 30, which was fun. And, uh, he never gets to go cause they're almost always like seven 30 or eight 30, but we had a six 30 game and he asked, you know, yes, my wife, like, can I go? And she's like, all right. Yeah. Just, so he got to stay in the dugout. I hit two bombs and, uh, and we lost 16 to 17. So, uh, but that was cool. Because you know I coach his t-ball team, and so he's like, "All right, Dad, you're going to do what like what you tell me, right?" So, yeah, I was like, "Got to use your Spider-Man skills to to get over there and catch the ball and cover the base." So that was fun. All right. Uh, anyway, I'm glad to be back. I, I love doing an old cast. It, it's it's such a fun time uh, to chat with y'all, and I've been doing a lot of FSU stuff lately. Before we get in the meat of this, do everybody get in? Hit the like button if you can. Um, like, as a CBS employee, today sucked. It, it it really did. Um, you know, we went through layoffs. Uh, you guys probably saw like 800 people got laid off from Paramount. You know, the the day after we reported record earnings in the Super Bowl. Um, I'm not going to say anything that's going to get me fired. Uh, I've been through layoffs at NBC Vox a couple times. You know, it was one of the primary reasons why I left over there because they just, they laid off people who shouldn't be laid off and Really couldn't operate without, uh, but I will say uh, that if you guys listen to Cover Three, uh, I'll say this because he's put this out there you know, publicly. Uh, Jordan Maton, who's our producer on Cover Three, uh, he got laid off today, which totally sucks. Uh, Jordan uh, you know, has a degree in media, and he was on customer service team when, when I got the twenty four seven Sports, and they uh, they had a program. Where basically you had to start in customer service and you kind of got to like dabble in whatever area of, of the company you were interested in, which was not customer service because most people don't love working in customer service. 
and uh, it was right during COVID. And I was like, man, we got, I, I got tabbed with, with starting up the podcast network and like actually wrangling it, which I had done at Vox. So I, I had some idea what I was doing, but it was still not, it was really kind of like herding cats in a way um, because you, you, know, you just get hired and 10 days later after I got hired, the world shuts down. So anyway, uh, we were in a hiring freeze. Couldn't really hire anybody. Podcast became a really important thing because people were bored as hell. So if you could create content that way, it was uh, it was really advantageous to do so. And I was able to pluck Jordan off customer service team because he he was real eager to work and a DM me uh, on on Slack. Hey man, like any help you need? Like, I know I'm just on customer service, but like you know I have a journalism degree in media. And, um, so passionate guy shows up for work. He's got skills. Sucks. Um, you know, if you watch cover three, it's the number one college ball podcast in the world by hell by a country mile. Part of that's because most other companies don't take it seriously. Part of that's because we have really good people working on it and we, we come to work every day with a passion for it. So, uh, you know, if you're somebody who needs it, you know, editing video, audio, your creative, social video, social graphics, I think Jordan does a really nice job, man. So, um, not going to sit here and read off everybody from, from CBS, but again, if you have a business or something and you want to, uh, you know, if you've enjoyed what we do with cover three and some of the creativity on that, a lot of that's Jordan. So, uh, be happy to pass his information on for, for some freelance work. And with that, uh, I'm not going to just make this all about CBS myself, but it is my show. So we'll, uh, Two minutes in, not the end of the world, I guess, for you guys to have to listen to that. And I just want to try to support my guy who, you know, I elevated and, you know, corporate sucks sometimes. It happens. I'll probably be there someday. All right. So recruiting. Last couple of weeks, I was down there at the Battle Miami 7 on 7 event, uh, popped around to some high schools, checking in with some coaches I know here in the Orlando area. And, uh, also was at the Orlando Under Armour event, and I was also at the uh, coaching clinic here in Orlando. Orlando's been a good spot uh, to be in recently because I can get down to Miami pretty quick, and there's a lot of you know big-time uh, recruiting events that happen in Orlando as well. Uh, so um, it's just some quick thoughts on prospects that FSU has committed. Uh, I, I think FSU certainly is in a pretty good spot. You see a lot of high school coaches obviously coming up and, and interacting with FSU staff. Uh, I want to save some of this stuff for when uh, when Graham and I talk tomorrow morning, but I'll tell you, like, Norvell's room was packed when, when he spoke on, on Saturday afternoon. He got a big standing ovation. A lot of guys wishing him well with the whole, uh, you know, uh, the, the snub and whatnot. So I uh, try to really keep it relatable to the high school coaches. I think that they, they appreciated that. And uh, that's, that's what they're there for. I mean, it's a convention for the most part, a clinic for high school coaches to come and, and improve their craft. Uh, maybe there's some other college, like small college coaches there potentially, but and maybe some youth coaches, uh, but o overall it's a, it's a good networking event for the staff. I think they're probably contractually obligated to do them because it's a Nike clinic and they're a Nike school. So it's probably you know, as part of that to be related, but, 
my guess is they'd probably do something like this anyway, even if they weren't contractually obligated, because it, it's a good opportunity to, uh, to sell your school to the high school coaches. All right. So I'm just going to run down the list here. Um, Tramel Jones, quarterback commit for 2025. I, I think Tramel is just getting just getting better every time I see him. He looks to have filled out his frame a little bit. Not the biggest guy in the world. You know, not the most athletic guy in the world. Uh, the velocity on the ball is improving. Um, I want to see how he does layering the balls to multiple areas on the field. But I, I was, I try to watch different drills at these camps at different times. And my main objective for the weekend was to help Andrew Ivins with top performers, right? I mean, I've done this for almost 20 years and, uh, I'll start my softball shirt on. All right, whatever. So if you're watching on YouTube, I don't have the Nolcast shirt on right now, but you, you spot a lot of things. Hey, like this, because there, there's so many drills and stations going on. One guy can't watch the whole thing. So I printed out a spreadsheet beforehand. It's like eight pages, got a bunch of cells on there, different things I look for, different things I check out for, and ship it off when done. I, Ivan's writes the top performance article. Uh, I thought Jones was the best quarterback in attendance. It was not an amazing quarterback day, but it was a pretty decent quarterback day. Now, most of the quarterbacks there, who impressed were the 2026 quarterbacks, and Jones is a 25. I, I got asked to rank the quarterbacks going into their senior years uh, by someone on the Knowles 24-7 message board. And I said, I, okay, I think I think it's Luke, Brock, Trammell, and then a decent gap to Chris Parsons. From a physical tools perspective, I, I do think that Luke and Brock, as of end of junior year, entering senior year, probably have better tools, size, arm, athleticism than Tramel does. But I do think from the standpoint of can he play at Florida State, I, I think he can. So that was something, a, a box I sort of wanted to check. And you might say, but that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard because why couldn't he play at FSU? Um, they offered him a scholarship. Sure, well, a, a lot of guys get offered, can't really see the field. And sometimes it's kind of obvious, right? And a lot of times they get processed out. If you recall, I didn't think C.J. Hurd could play at FSU. We got some crap from that from y'all in the comment section. But I'm not perfect. I'm not saying I'm a better evaluator of talent than anybody else or worse necessarily, but probably worse than a lot of these guys, uh, you know, who are in personnel. Coaches sometimes, it's real hit or miss who, who they like and who they don't, to be honest. Personnel guys, I think they live in that space more as far as projecting. And I, I think it's uh, I think it's a good take right now. Um, a guy who maybe they will take two. I don't know. If Tramel keeps improving, maybe you don't need to take two. But he is getting better. He's not like a freak show of skills and talents, but I think he's a, a guy who has a shot to be a good, productive college quarterback for you. And if he keeps improving, why put a ceiling on him? I guess we'll see. We'll, we'll just continue to evaluate where we are with this process. But overall, I, I think it's solid. If you can get a couple of his buddies to come with him, like Jamie French, that, that could help. That, that kid's a stud of a receiver. All right. Next is Solomon Thomas. Uh, I wanted to discuss him. I thought he had a, a really nice day overall. Um, 
Now, 24-7 sports moved him to guard. I am completely on board with that. I think he has a more of a guard body. He's a guy who grew early, but he still has the nice body control. He took reps at both guard and tackle. And, and to be honest, I thought he was considerably better uh, with his one-on-one reps when he played guard. I think he's got a guard frame. I think he's got a guard body. I think he looks better at guard. I think he's a guard. Does that mean he can't play offensive tackle for you in a pinch? Maybe he could play some right tackle where, where you know, you're, you're covered up by the tight end. Sure. I don't want to put like put ceilings limitations on a guy, but that's a nice player that FSU has committed. It's probably their second best offensive lineman who they will have, assuming he signs and he's still going to take visits and whatnot, which I would too, honestly. Why, why, why wouldn't you? Um, but probably the second best offensive lineman they will have signed under Alex Atkins. Second only to Lucas Simmons, who from a, a tool standpoint was clearly superior to anybody that they've even honestly contended for. Seriously contended for, I mean. But of course, he had the medical thing to where he wasn't able to practice uh, in the fall, but has since been cleared. So I think realistically, you got to wonder how much was his development knocked back. But at the same time, uh, still really, really talented guy. So Solomon Thomas, nice kid. I'd seen him in person. Like I'm not, not really like my opinion's not changing, but I, I, I still like him. Um, is he a five-star prospect? Not to me. I think he's a nice prospect. I think he's a good prospect. I don't know where he's going to land in the thing, but some people are like, oh, if they put the, if if they make him, if they extrapolate the rankings, he's 22nd in the country right now. You know, and, and the number one uh, interior offensive lineman, number two overall player in Florida, second only to, to uh, DJ Pickett out of Tampa, who is definitely a freak show. Maybe he ends up there. I don't know. It's possible. I don't know if it's super likely. It, it's not a guard is not a not a premium position. It's just like tight end, like running back. It, it, it typically you're going to default to more premium positions with with your five star players because those are the guys who get picked higher and. Those are the guys who matter more. But, man, Solomon Thomas matters a whole lot to FSU, in my opinion. So uh, a very nice get for them there. All right, next guy I wanted to talk about here, pull up my notes, sorry, was Ethan Pritchard out of Seminole here, right by my house, actually. Uh, he has a bit of a, I don't want to call it a safety build, because he's definitely, I think, I mean, he's definitely bigger than Deloach was in high school, right? I'm not supposed to say right so often. It's a verbal crutch. I apologize for that. But I thought he covered extremely well. He's athletic. He's a guy who my guess here is will be productive at the college level. And somebody I think will, FSU fans will be extremely excited uh, to, to have. So uh, I mean, currently linebacker 45, number 54 in Florida. Linebacker, again, not really a premium position unless you have like a freak of freaks. Uh, like a, a Raylan Wilson or a CJ Allen, or basically anybody that Georgia signed two classes ago, right? Uh, those are are your general like freaker freaks. So not a premium position, unlike you know quarterback, a number one receiver, tight end, or excuse me, a offensive tackle, D end, um, corner, but still a guy that could really help you. So those are kind of the commit rundowns. Uh, I, I like the class that they're putting together. So far, I think you'd like to see FSU mentioned with some more 
of the elite of the elite, but this staff has a lot of strengths. So you don't win 10 ball games and 13 ball games back to back years without some, if, if you don't know what you're doing. You know what I'm saying? It, it's not like they had some amazing quarterback. Jordan was a very good college quarterback, but, you know, he, he wasn't like, you know, top of the draft type guy. Uh, as far as Hilson, I mean, look, it he didn't show up to the Orlando camp, so we, we will see, uh, we'll see what what goes on. But I mean, I will tell you this: FSU likes Hilson quite a bit. Uh, Hilson's teammate, whose name I don't have in front of me, and I'm trying not to do the thing where I click around a whole bunch so I can just talk to y'all instead. Hilson's teammate is a 26 safety at Coco, who I like the hell of a lot, and I think he's pro- the, the teammate. It's probably a linebacker. Hilson's like an edge rusher, so that'll be uh, that'll be solid. Uh, did we so looking through the chat here? Did we talk about Amari Williams? Uh, I did two episodes ago, I believe. So um, definitely a raw player, but I think he has some real ability. And given uh, the, the just in some cases failures to recruit defensive line at a hell, not even a national championship level, but an ACC championship level. Certainly, a guy who who is is worth taking the risk on, because again, if you go just all portal, you're passing on the opportunity cost to get the really really elite players, because for the most part, those guys kind of rarely portal. And FSU is a weird fan base to explain this to, because they've literally had Jared Verse and Jermaine Johnson. It'll probably take a couple more cycles of the guys you take not being a Jared Verse and a Jermaine Johnson for FSU fans to kind of get it through the skull that, oh, that's that's not normal. Other teams in the country aren't normally experiencing that type of defensive line success. So I, I'm still a firm believer, if you look at the overall sample, that you have to recruit defensive line out of high school to a certain extent to get the freak of freaks. But I also think you can patch holes quite well. That's a developmental position in many times, and FSU has done a great job of patching that and developing that. All right, so here we go. The legendary team, 844 FSU Loan. Legendary team, 844 FSU Loan, does an awesome job at getting you a home loan. I've used them twice. I may use them coming up again here. I've sent my family to them. I've sent 500 of y'all to them. Chad does a great job. 844 FSU Loan is the number to call website contact as well in the show notes just click on it i make it a hyperlink for you pretty easy but 500 is is quite a bit so excited about that excited what we're doing with those guys going forward let's talk about some potential targets vernell brown receiver out of orlando jones he's he's not ryan williams talent wise but man style wise he just kind of floats. It, it's not, it's an extremely efficient cut. It's not a, a visually violent cut to his game as a receiver. But man, do, do guys have trouble covering him? And I know it's a camp setting and they don't have pads on, but he's a guy for me who is, um, I don't know if you want to use the term stock up, but just, you know, he's good locally. And then you see him against some other guys throughout the state. And you're like, okay. They're struggling too. Now, I know he didn't go against some of the best corners at the event all the time, 
some of that's just honestly random where you are in line, where they are in line. It, it's not always within your control, depending on the camp. And I certainly don't think this was his fault. He didn't lose a rep. So that's pretty good for Nell Brown. Definitely a guy that you guys need to be following if you care about recruiting the receiver position. You know, not a real big guy, not the smallest either. Good speed, exceptional quickness, nice deceleration. He can throttle the route up and down, which is really kind of a, a key. We see that with good receivers, right? It's the ability to, um, you know, to, to, to speed up and the ability to, to slow down in order to leave guys in the dust, almost like Top Gun, right? Throw the brakes on, they fly right by, that type of thing. Um, is Atkins a, on a prove-it path? Seems like if his high school recruits don't start panning out, the shine will wear off. No, I, no. First of all, where's he going? He's got a, a multi-year show cause. He's by far your best recruiter. It, it, if you lost Atkins, you'd have to retool like a good bit of the staff because it, who else on his staff is would you consider to be like a plus recruiter? You tell me. So no, uh, I, I don't think it's a, a prove-it path. Remember, he also recruits other positions as well, not just the offensive line. Guys recruit more than just their room, um, although their room is certainly a part of it. Offensive line recruiting, I think, is uh, is is difficult. I did not think Armella was a five-star level prospect. I said that on this show. You guys gave me a bunch of crap for that. But I'm like, I mean, it just he was really, really good as a freshman in high school for that for that age group. He did not continue to get better on that same trajectory. It's not my fault that other networks left him as a five-star. I think he's a guard, and I thought that at the time that he, that he was signed. And, I, I I mean, he didn't have good showings a lot of these camps against better athletes. So, I I don't know. Um, some other networks were having real upheaval at that time in terms of, of who was evaluating personnel for them. And, I, I, yeah, so I, I hear the chatters like, oh, they had a five-star and he didn't develop. First of all, we don't know that. Like, Armella could still play. He can still make the NFL. We'll see. But no, I uh, I certainly don't think Atkins is in a, a like a legitimate prove it year because if from that standpoint, isn't everybody on the staff in a prove it year from a recruiting ability standpoint? Uh, so no, I, I I guess you're not having any staff changes, which is kind of wild. All right, let's keep on going here. Tavion Swint. Next guy I want to talk about, UCF commit, running back. I'm not saying FSU should take him, but, man, doesn't it feel like when FSU's in trouble, they kind of find ways to get the ball to Ja'Kai Douglas, how he's just kind of built like a running back. He catches the ball well. You can run him speed out of the backfield if you need to. You can, you can, you can line him up in the slot, just a versatile type of weapon. Tavion Swint's like 5'9 at, at, at the most. And he's fast as heck, extremely quick, catches the ball. I, I don't know. Like, does a Georgia-type type program take a Tavion Swint? Uh, probably not, I guess. And if that's what you're trying to that's what you're trying to go to, maybe that's what, the standard to which you need to hold yourself. But your roster's really not close to theirs right now. Most teams are not, by the way. That's not a knock on FSU. I'm, I'm very... Very bullish on this program overall. 
But if you know this, if you know your offense likes to use kind of a gadget type player like this, I, uh, I, I could see, I could see taking him. Really nice, really nice, just versatile running back prospect. So that's one to kind of keep an eye on. Maybe not the guy you thought I was going to go to second, but definitely, uh, definitely think that's that's worth taking a look at. A lot of good offensive linemen. That's kind of boring talk. Not a lot with FSU offers right now, but I do think FSU will take a lot of looks at these guys in the spring eval period when they get around to the schools to be able to see them, and in the summer when these guys get on campus for camp. But there, it was a very rare day in which we had quality quarterback play and really great offensive line play. And when's the last time we had that at the camp in Florida? I truly cannot remember that. The offensive line whipped the defensive line. <laughs> almost the entire day, and the quarterbacks put the ball uh, more or less on the money, which also doesn't really happen. Normally, we don't get to see very many good catches in these Florida camps because the quarterbacks can't hit the broad side of the barn. And this year, especially the even the, the 26s, who are the underclassmen, they did. It's like, all right, quarterbacks, I'm seeing you. This is pretty cool. So that was great. Uh, Jalen Wiggins, Tallahassee kid who's committed to the Gators. I, I do have some updated thoughts on him. After seeing, I saw him in camps last year, and I saw him now in, in camp here. So I was curious as to his progression. I I think he is absolutely an interior player. Now I know weight wise, right now he's more weight wise. He's an edge. I think the way that he moves laterally suggests that he should play inside and play in an interior role where he's just trying to shoot gaps and be a penetrator. Because from a straight-ahead, linear standpoint, I think Jalen Wiggins is very explosive. I think he has enough length and can play with some power. When he has to actually move side to side, uh, I, I thought that some of the drills and some of the some of the camp reps exposed some questions there. So we'll see how he does going forward. Everybody is certainly entitled to get better, and maybe he will. But I just watch him like, yeah. I don't think he's an edge. I think he's an interior player. Still a guy that I think I would take because, again, you need him. You need good interior players so you can develop. But I don't think that he is – he doesn't pop as special to me on the edge. So just – that's that's what it is. Uh, yeah. Uh, what else do I have here? So, yeah, he's currently rated number 56 in the country, number five defensive lineman. So 24-7 sports already has him as a defensive lineman and not as an edge. But uh, I liked his stuff better when he was playing on the interior. So keep in mind of that. Hilton Stubbs, uh, nice-looking safety. I, I, I know Zach Blostein reported that he thinks he's leaning to Florida. Uh, I also agree with that chatted them up, and I talked to some other reporters as well. And I talked to a guy who covers Miami, and he said, yeah, it's kind of weird. Like, when I talk to him, the kid is all Gators. And then I ask him about Miami. He's like, oh, yeah, I like Miami too. So I think when you're getting that perspective from multiple different reporters who talk to the kid and who are coming at him from different – like, it's not just, hey, it's an FSU-adjacent reporter talking to him who gets the UF vibes. It's now a Miami – adjacent reporter, a, a reporter who covers Miami's recruiting, who also feels 
that way. So I know that, that, that would be a disappointment for FSU because they've certainly put some effort into recruiting stubs, but they do have some nice targets there at safety, and I'm just not going to lose sleep over a safety target. Let's uh, let's talk a little t- more 25 here, and we're going to take a quick break, I think. Actually, let's take a break, and we'll, we'll split this up into some more guys who I think are uh, – they're less targets, but they're more intriguing guys that the staff will continue to evaluate down the stretch. All right. Now I want to tell you about Congruity HR Solutions. Congruity HR, Matt Lewis does a tremendous job for us and always has. He handles our business at the Nolcast. I believe we're closing in on 10 uh, Nolcast listening businesses who use Congruity. I just think it's awesome. You know, payroll solutions, HR solutions, whatever your business needs, let's optimize your business with Congruity HR Solutions. Link congruityhr.com slash Knowles. You can also just click it in the show notes. Makes it real simple. Matt Lewis. And Grody, a proud supporter of the Nolcast. And uh, hey, two episodes to start the week. This is kind of cool. So remember, we will see you guys tomorrow morning as well. Four names who intrigue me. A couple have offers. A couple are more just sort of let's continue to evaluate. Number one is Josh Patterson, corner out of Ed White in Jacksonville. I'm not going to say I discovered Josh Patterson because that's not accurate. Other people knew who Josh Patterson was before I did. His brother plays at Wake Forest. His other brother plays at, uh, I don't want to, I think Buffalo, but a a very athletic family, a family that he will be the third college ball player they have sent, you know, to, uh, to D1. And two years ago, I came upon Kai Bates playing corner, not receiver, uh, because I was trying to get video of, uh, Jeremiah Smith, actually, who ended up being the number one player in the country for this cycle. And, and oftentimes, I'll go to these camps and whatnot, and I, I will you know, do my evaluation stuff. We'll do some some uh, some scoop stuff or articles or whatnot. Whatever the national site needs, I'll, I'll come back. I'll, I'll do the show on 24-7 Sports if they need me to do that. But I'll also shoot some stuff for CBS and for Cover 3 Social. And one of the best ways to find nice DBs is to try to shoot like the number one receiver in the country or one of the best ones and to see you can check him because that's what Kai Bates was doing. So, all right, nice job, Kai Bates. And now Kai Bates at the time, it was not a real well-known guy. He later committed to LSU and then FSU flipped him from LSU uh, down the stretch. So kind of found Josh Patterson the same way. I was trying to shoot video of a kid named DeCorian Moore, uh, who is out of the state of Texas, probably the number one receiver that I've seen so far in this cycle, but it's still pretty early and there's no defined number one like Jeremiah. And to be fair, it's also not quite as good of a year for receiver this year as it was in prior years. Anyway, I'm I'm rambling here a bit, but Patterson, physical guy, decent size, really scrappy, played both ways the entire time for a seven on team, is a dude who shows some qualities that I think are really important in today's day and age in terms of encouraging teammates, giving a damn about winning or losing. Like, I know that sounds crazy that that's a quality I like, but I do like guys who, if they lose at seven on, it bothers. I I like the give a shit guys. I want you to to give a damn if you can. And I think Josh Patterson gives a damn. Like, I like the way that he acts. I like the way that he takes coaching. Uh, I was talking to Pepper Johnson, who, if you guys will remember, is, is he a Hall of Famer? He's certainly like a multiple-time Super Bowl guy, 
uh, he was the head coach at IMG for a minute, but he was the he was a linebacker who lined up next to Lawrence Taylor on those great Giants teams in the late '80s and early '90s. And man, Pepper Johnson coaches these guys at these clinics hard, dude. Just for these camps, excuse me, not clinics. He coaches them hard. And I was like, "Who did you like?" He's like, "I, I like ten, and ten was Patterson." So, uh, a guy really. Despite the fact he was already one of the more talented DBs there, maybe not ranked as such because it's super early, you know, but he still took hard coaching and looked to get better throughout the event. I like that he goes hard through all the reps and really has an, an intent to get better. And he does not have an FSU offer at this point, but I will give Adam Fuller and those guys credit and, you know, Derek Ray and, and Papuchas and those dudes who, who do the area. Uh, he said that they were sort of like the next big level team to be on him. I was like, who, who offered you? He's like, Iowa State. I was like, that makes sense. Iowa State plucks good DBs out of Florida all the time. And then Cincinnati, and that made sense to me as well, because Tyson Veit, the new DC at Cincinnati, came from Iowa State. So, of course, he'd be probably recruiting a similar type of player, assuming they're going to run a similar defense. And then uh, and Patterson was like, yeah, I, I got to visit FSU. They're starting to really get on me. And that's awesome for him. Kid puts in the work. So I like that. Another guy to look out for, Jeremiah McLeod, panhandle guy, defensive lineman. I believe he's committed to Mississippi State right now. Again, I say the word right now. It's super early. I don't really care where guys are committed or not committed at this point because they still got so much process to go through. Just I, I like to get a feel for what tools have guys shown so far, in what areas can they still improve. Are there any, probably more importantly, real limitations to their game that are just not likely to improve without some massive growth spurt, things like that, or maybe a mechanical thing if you're a quarterback? It's like, ooh, that, that's not good at all. But I can see why this guy's a productive defensive lineman. Good balance, multiple moves, nice motor. I think he probably has the ability to play some in and out, and, and he had an impressive camp. So maybe that's a guy FSU will take a harder look at here in the spring, Jeremiah McLeod. And then uh, two more, and these are 26 names that I think we need to talk about. So Aaron Gregory is a very impressive receiver out of Douglas County. Again, we don't have very many players ranked at all on 24-7 sports, but we already have him as a top 25 player in the entire country. I've seen him play multiple seven-on-sevens now. I'll tell you what, like Aaron Gregory, there, there's something there. He's now, he is skinny, 6'3", listed 170. Um, I I believe his dad is a, a veteran. I, I was I chatted with him briefly. I'm pretty sure it's dad. When when, when Gregory got uh, got an award at the end of the camp, the dad was wearing a shirt that said, nothing scares me, I'm, I'm a veteran and a dad. So kind of putting together ton, contest clues here. But just guy that goes about his work, plays hard, and has some real skills to him. So Aaron Gregory, if you are one of these major recruiting nerds like, like me, and you're putting together your recruiting board for 2026, I like Aaron Gregory, man. I think that guy's good. Now, Georgia likes him too, and almost everybody else in the country. And uh, you know, because of the fact that he's from Douglas County in Georgia, that's going to be quite the fight, but still a guy to keep an eye on. And finally, uh, this is a guy, I will give Chris Nee a lot of credit for him because he – has been absolutely all over him, shoot, for as 
long as I've known about the kid, and, and Chris has known about him for longer. Uh, Micah Smith, Vero Beach, FSU has a pretty good relationship with Vero Beach's staff, obviously. Uh, nice, nice offensive tackle prospect for 2026. Big kid. He's kind of checking the boxes that you want to check. The body is improving year over year. It's getting, he was a little heavy last year when I saw him. This year, much more in shape. Body control is coming along. You can tell that he's growing in in terms of like body flexibility and maturity. All the kind of boxes that you want to check, Micah Smith just keeps checking. Oh, he's also really big and not in a bad way, but I mean, like 6'5, 300, legit. So nice job at the establishing that relationship early on. They have offered that's you know, Alex Atkins. Uh, he, he did start last year for Vero, and uh, he also visited FSU in November. So uh, those are the main recruiting names that came out of the camp that I think that you guys would probably care about. And because it's February, I try not to go insane with the recruiting stuff, but I don't know, 25 minutes of recruiting talk in February, is that really that bad? Uh, I, I enjoy it. A couple people in the chat enjoy it. Uh, Travis Park has a question here before he does. I want to tell you about another park, Charlie Park. Charlie Park Rooftop Restaurant in Tallahassee. A proud supporter of the Knolls and proud supporter of the Knoll cast. Part of the Madison Social Township for the Table Restaurant Group family of restaurants. If you have any kind of special event, if you want to do a business dinner, business lunch, take girl out, take guy out, whatever you're into, Charlie Park. I think it's pretty cool. So I would check it out if I'm in Tallahassee. Really good time. Maybe you want to celebrate a graduation. Could be plan ahead, y'all. Uh, let's talk here, this portal class stuff. I'm not trying to get into any kind of war with On3 here. I had no idea that On3, who's another service, I think they do a fine job as well. I had no idea that they had the... Do they really have Louisville as the number one transfer portal class? I don't even know how to see this. I've really, I've never looked at their portal stuff. Hold on. Let me just pull this up. This is probably bad podcasting, but it's Travis Park's question, not mine. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Um, all right. They have Louisville 1, Colorado 2, Ole Miss 3, Florida State 4, South Carolina 5, Oregon 6, NC State 7, Cal 8. By the way, Cal is a sneaky good class. I'll, I'll give them that. Uh, Missouri 9, Wisconsin 10. All right. I, I don't know how to – I don't know what we're doing here. Okay, the best way I can explain this is I try to look at the transfer portal, the transfer portal classes from the standpoint of would this would like a national championship, would a playoff contending team take this player? And so I do my rankings very differently, than, certainly differently than what On3 has here, and I considerably differently than what 24-7 Sports has as well. 
And I, I think we're trying to measure different things in some ways. I look at it from sort of a top-down approach to where if you take 25 three-stars, I don't really care, man, because that's 25 scholarship spots that like a Georgia, Ohio State, Oregon, like Texas, one of those truly super recruiting teams, Florida State, if they level up you know, another level, that they wouldn't take on their roster, right? So I don't really care if Colorado has – 18 three stars and and five four stars. Uh, uh, that to me is that uh, doesn't move the needle for me. So I don't really care. Hold on. All right. I will tell you that I shot uh, five videos for CBS on the winners of the transfer portal. I'll also tell you that 11 o'clock live on Wednesday, you can watch cover three. We're still having a show, even though the layoffs. Um, we're going to talk transfer portal winners and losers. The five teams that I had as transfer portal winners when I shot the videos, Ohio State, Ole Miss, Texas A&M, Oregon, and Florida State. And the other one I shot, which hasn't come out yet, is Texas. To me, those schools have taken a lot more either really high-quality proven guys or super high-quality unproven guys. Right? That's... Hold on. Let me respond to the chat here. Wanted Rick, Rick, Rick Hardcore had a tarpon sellers question. Just hit us at nolcast at gmail.com. We'll take care of you. Uh, from a getting elite type players standpoint, I have those classes over everybody else because that's those are guys who I think would be on scholarship at the very best of the best programs. Colorado, okay, like they got some guys, but I mean, I, I had heard some stuff on, I think they got some good guys. Did they get a bunch of really good guys? I don't know. Like, they took Preston Hodge from from Liberty. I think he's a good player. I heard Oregon passed on him. Like, Oregon needs secondary help. If they're passing on a kid, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I don't know a lot of kids or a lot of schools that fought big-time portal battles against Colorado this year. And, and, and lost him. I'll say that. Louisville, I'm uh, I'm very skeptical about some of the transfers they took. I, I'm not quite as on the Louisville bandwagon. Now they still have an awesome, awesome coach in Brom. I get a little Chip Kelly vibes there, though, as far as that much reliance on the portal. Like you guys know, I think FSU is pretty heavy on the portal, um, but not that heavy. Like they're not taking 28 in year two after taking a whole bunch last year so that's a little weird i will say so no I, i'm not as high on those classes like would you if you were a a playoff contending team you'd rather have georgia's class than louisville's but georgia only has seven guys and louisville has 26. it's a very difficult task to rank and i'm getting off the rails here i guess or maybe i'm not it's a super difficult task to rank a class with seven against a class with 20 what do they take? 26, not 28. 
Seven verse 26 is kind of nuts, guys. Like, how do you how do you propose to go about ranking that and and, and to square it? You see what I'm saying? Like any kind of algorithm, those things are too disparate of a size to really make good comparisons with. With the recruiting ranking side, we can generally do it. We say, okay, like let's we're gonna use like like, like a weighted distribution. Your first guy's rated like is, is worth this much. Your second guy's worth this much. Your third guy's worth this much. But where do we cap that on the transfer side? Do you make the eighth guy worth nothing? The ninth guy worth nothing? The tenth worth nothing? You see my point? So it's not that the, like because in that case, FSU's class wouldn't look great, right? FSU took fifteen. Should the bottom seven or eight not count for them? I don't know. I. I think there's five, six, seven classes transfer-wise that I would take over Louisville and Colorado and, and stuff like that. I think Ole Miss is the best, best transfer class. Ohio State, in terms of real upper quality, probably second. I guess Louisville got Evan or, – or Oregon got Evan Stewart. Texas did a really nice job. FSU, I think – I think there's a ch- – FSU is going to have wide variance on their class because some of these guys are going to bust like crazy and some of them are probably going to be super dependable. And I don't think the staff knows quite yet who's who. And that's with me like fully factoring in that they have done a hell of a job recruiting the transfer portal and evaluating transfers. But there's still a lot of variance in there. So does, that, does that make sense? Because they've taken so many guys who are unproven. Uh, and yeah, to, you have to do what you need to do, as Travis points out, for a program. Colorado is probably doing the best thing that it is doing for this Colorado team. And Louisville is probably doing the best thing for Louisville. But that doesn't mean that we should rank them above the teams that are competing for the natty in terms of what they're taking. Because a lot of those guys just can't freaking play on that level. So, um, I don't know. This was fun. And... uh, yeah, I'm glad we didn't try to do a two-hour show tonight and broke this up. So, uh, Graham and I tomorrow morning at 9, unless we got to push it. Where do you check that? Twitter or X. I don't want to call it X. Nobody calls it X, I guess. Elon does. I'll see you guys in the morning time. Take care. Like the video.